morning, everybody. And, <laughs> and welcome to episode 11 of The Injection. This is Antoine J with my producer, Michael J. What's going on, everybody? And we have a special, special guest today. Mikey all day. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself, Mike. Well, my name is Mikey. Uh, I live in Washington, D.C. Been here all my life. Uh, left out of here to go to school for a couple of years and then came back, but still a true Washingtonian. All right. That's, you know what? I like that. He, you know what, y'all? I, Michael is the first guest that came on from D.C. And Michael J., you know this, that didn't go into, I do this for a living. I have this degree. I work through this. Through this. <laughs> like, <laughs> already we're going to be able to have a good conversation because we're not even coming from that angle. Okay, so. Um, that's not what it's about. That's not what it's about. That's, you're, you're exactly right. That's not what it's about. Um, pretty much, Mikey, Mikey and Mike, Michael J, y'all have the same name, so I'm going to try my best <laughs> to keep this going because I'm going to be going back and forth because I'm realizing that it's two Michaels. And so I'm trying to keep you at Mikey. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael J, I'm trying to keep you at Michael J. So bear with me if I mix it up sometimes, but we're going to make this work. We're going to jump right in, y'all. So All right. this week, we had a lot of hot topics. A lot of stuff was going on. Um, but three particular articles that spoke out in hot topics today resonated um, throughout the week. The first one, well, all of them dealt with kids in school and how slavery is being perceived. And it's so interesting because school is about to kind of like close for the season or for the school year. But we had three very important articles that all spoke to what's happening right now in school. And maybe that's the reason why they were important. I'm going to start with um, upstate New York or a little bit upstate New York, a little bit above New York City and, and Parkville, New York, with slave auctions of the black kids. The black kids will be an auction off to the white kids. And this led into kids being taught how to whip slaves in Savannah, Georgia with proven video. And then later on in Alloway County, Virginia, my hometown, where they're still graduating students and having all white graduating classes in private schools. Speaking to Betsy DeVos in her private voucher situation. I'm gonna start over to Michael Holland. We're gonna start over with the slave auctions. What are your thoughts about having those slave auctions at schools where we are auctioning off the black kids and, we're off, and we are doing it with you? As using the white kids as their as the buyers of these slaves. Dana Decker, by the way, she was somebody who's on the page. She said, How can we how else are we gonna teach what went on if we don't reenact it? Because we gotta teach this stuff in class and we gotta figure out a way that we can do it. What should we do? Michael, I'm gonna let you take that. Michael, Mikey all day. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I have a couple of questions about that because with that with that situation with um with the kids being auctioned off and to the white kids and so on and so forth, that was that was a mock that was a mock up. Oh, of course it was a mock auction. But the kids the kids were very, very disappointed by it or very, very dismayed and very, very upset about what happened to auction. I'm gonna I'm going to read to you directly what was said um, in, in in relation to the slave auctions because it was very very basically for the kids it was it was a lot that they had to go to and they weren't ready for the, the auction offer the auction so I'm going to read to you exactly what came out of the article. Mm-hmm. A private school in Bronxville, New York, had held mock slave auctions in several fifth grade classrooms that had a profoundly negative effect on the children. 
A state investigation revealed a teacher at the chapel school was fired after having white students being on black classmates during a March 5th incident. And that was a direct quote from um, from the newspaper in Bronxville. Okay. So so the woman was reprimanded, well, i.e. terminated. Um <laughs> Because of because of this stupidity, here's my thing. I don't understand why the children have to feel what happened to what we've already been delivered from. Mm, okay. okay. So, so it's I don't I don't understand why that would happen. Like you know, like we, they the well, kid Dana Decker. It, it was abolished. She's a white. Teacher. It was abolished because it was, that's the whole reason for it being abolished. So no one have to ever feel it. So why why is it so important that they feel it now? You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 crazy. Well, Dana, you know? who's a who's a white teacher on my page, and, and she asked me. She said, "So what? Are, how are we supposed to teach this?" I told her, "Well, why don't you auction off the white kids? Like, I mean, to teach auctioning and to teach what happened, we don't have to have direct representations of who exactly it was that was in the trade." Absolutely. She was completely dismayed by that. In fact, so much so she went back after our conversation because we went a lot of places in that little dialogue because she got upset with me because she was almost asking like, "What are you talking about? What you know? What like, like she just couldn't even fathom the idea of a white kid being auctioned off. Like you know, like this is what happened to black people. So we're gonna have black people be auctioned off." You know, so, so the only way, so the only way you can rep, only way that you can represent is by having the black kids sell, um sold to the by the white kids. I'm, I'm not gonna. That's a bridge too far. I'm not gonna put words in her mouth. But she was yeah. definitely dismayed when I said let's auction off the white kids. Let's put it that way. That's what she was with it. She was like, the white kids. This is what we, you know, from what I was able. Keep in mind, and keep in mind, everybody listening. She erased her comments. So if I'm if I'm messing up some things, Dana Ducker, it's your fault because you erased my evidence. But I, but my comments still stand. And from what I was able to gather, she basically is saying white kids weren't or white people weren't part of the of the auctioning of getting auctioned on. They were auctioners. So that is just ludicrous. And then she went on to a tirade to talk all about me and how I felt about kids and. You know, just a whole lot of other stuff to pivot from the point that she was really making, which was that white people weren't part of being auctioned. Why would I want to even actually have white kids as an auctioner? Michael J., I'm going to let you take that and talk a little bit about it. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, especially with the education and people who profess to be, you know, educators and trying to support, you know, diverse ways of learning get stomped at. Because you have people who sit up here and they can't conceptualize this idea of even remotely putting their, you know, children who look like them in that position. And it's wrong because we know that learning can take place in different modes. And we understand that you don't have to be black in order to experience. Now, it's true that they those white students will never understand the totality of that lived experience. But that doesn't mean that they can't get as real of a world experience as possible by being in that position. And I don't think it's wrong. Right. She, that, her feelings around that speak more about her ability to conceptualize white kids as property than mm. the, I, the fact that they actually very well could be and that there's nothing wrong with actually doing that. I mean, if you really are trying to provide them with this experience, because honestly, it's not, and I hate that it looks like this from my perspective, it's looking like the black kids are responsible for the white kids learning. And I absolutely don't like that and think it's, it's, think it's grotesque. Right. Honestly. And then we take it to the next level where in Savannah, they were actually using whips and, and teaching kids how to actually use whips. This is all in that vein of reenactment, y'all. It's all it is. going on right now. So you know, now, there's a video out there, and, and Mike Bowman, that's somebody on the page, he was saying, what are you talking about? We're not talking about whipping kids and, and, and that type of thing. That We're talking about bull whipping. We talk, they're talking about, there's other ways you can use whips. Michael J. Stokes directly put it to him, but they're in front of the African American Museum or the, or, the, or, the, or the memorial to the African American people or whatever. But the point is, 
it was the place it was at, it was the city it was at, and what it was going on. And they're literally teaching. I mean, they're teaching how to whip. You know what I'm saying, Michael? Michael, all day I give it to you. So, okay. So, because from my understanding, that was just a recording that somebody recorded from the car, just asking right. what was going on. But right. the fact that it was the fact, but the fact that it was at the African American Museum location, they're like, well, why did why did they choose that place to do it? Right, because there are, other, there are people on the page who are saying, wait a minute, y'all are taking this a bridge. I mean, it, comments went both ways, both ways. I will say, black people, all we all were on the same page. They teach you how to whip. Because, you know, it's something about that sound, that sound, y'all. Let's just keep it real. It's something about that sound. that whoop, Like, it's deep in us. We hear okay. it. So, and you know what? People can talk about generational DNA. And they can say that that doesn't exist. And 400 years ago, it was 400 years ago or 300 years ago. But it's something about when every black person hears that that whip whip. And y'all know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm saying? That sound in front of the African-American Museum, in my opinion, is a whole lot right there. But go ahead, Michael. I'm going to let you speak. Go ahead. Well, I'm thinking that um, I will say this. To make a, in a situation, I will say this. I don't want to go with assumption. Okay. I don't want to go with assumption. Now, yes, we saw video recording of the whips being done in front of that. We saw that. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I would call that racist or what I call that insensitive. <laughs> but, but you get, you get what I'm saying? There is a difference because we also know, because we also know that some people, Caucasian people will have, will ultimately, um, I think they're insensitive because they don't know our culture and pretty much know our race because they removed themselves from it so much. So, <clears throat> so you know, because there's there is straight up and down racism where mm-hmm. I don't like black people. Period. Mm-hmm. To where uh, insensitive means, you know, I don't know what to do in a case, in a situation like this. Because just like, if, if you recall, just like with the situation with um, the HBCU in Washington, D.C., Howard University, when people was using the yard, using the yard mm-hmm. as um, people, you know, a so people HBCU, can share. So, so they can bring, their, and and bring their, you know, um, up there. And, it, and of course, the white people um, are the ones that are like, I don't understand what the problem is compared to the black people there, where you don't see that you're literally almost shitting on holy ground. So, so Michael, I just want to put this in perspective here, and, and then I'm gonna let Michael J. speak. So, what you're saying is, perhaps these white kids that are out there whipping, using the whips, and learning how to whip in front of the the cultural African American Cultural Museum, perhaps they just don't know what they're doing. Is that what you're saying? Well, actually, that's a pretty pretty much exactly what I'm saying. Because guess what? They had to be taught. Here's the thing. The person that is teaching them to whip, they are the insensitive ones. The children don't know no better yet. Because you understand, you teach racism. Okay, you teach I agree racism. with you on that. You get what I'm saying? So it's not something that you're born with. You're not born with racism. So so if, if they're teaching them to use this whip in front of the African American Museum, they're already teaching them actually privilege. Michael J., what you guess? What you say? Um, so my thought on it is that, you know, cause I, I reviewed the video as well and there's an older white male there, you know, teaching them technique and teaching them how to, you know, execute the whipping, the cracking of that, uh, whip. Now I think context is important. important. I really think we need to contextualize the situation and hold people accountable because ignorance is not an excuse for the type of shit that was demonstrated on that video. And luckily, the person was able to capture it. My thing is, you know, yeah, we'll hold space for the fact that, you know, bullfighting or whatever the case may be. But again, because we are contextualizing this, all that shit goes out the window from my perspective. Because you cannot, how can you, even with the the best judgment or just, just poor judgment, thought that cracking a whip in front of a black cultural museum, which probably has, you know, in-depth, rich, thick descriptions about slavery, probably artifacts about that type of experience. And you thought that bringing a bunch of white kids to that ground to practice cracking the whip was a smart idea. 
and you're supposed to be an intelligent human being. It was I mean, stupid. you already had me a technique. <clears throat> I'm still trying to recover from the coughing spell I had. Michael J. So let me ask you a question. Sure, sure. You're holding the older gentleman accountable because I understand that them white kids probably never been inside that museum. Mm -hmm. So I mean, again, yeah, he definitely needs to be held accountable, and they need to unlearn what he's trying to teach them, and it needs to be collect connected to a larger understanding of Black African American experience in the U.S how that is not only insensitive, but to me is a clear demonstration of asserting power, trying to assert dominance <clears throat> to a people, to black people. I mean, you're honestly. going too deep with it because you got to understand, and that, and, that, and that goes to like what I was saying about my high school class, where I'm from in Virginia. You still have schools, private schools, that are still graduating high school classes that are all white. Like, so there are people who are systematically teaching young kids. This is all a process, and that's the reason why we kind of package this like this. Like, it starts in elementary school with the slave auctions. We're going to whipping by the time they go into middle school, and then by the time they're graduating, they're having all-white graduations in cities like Savannah, cities like Smithfield, Virginia, where I'm from. And then they're having people singing, like Mark Jones said on that post, why not? What 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 exactly did he say, Michael J? Like, pay to play if you want to be with right. With as us far as going to like a private that? school, you should be able to pay to get in. If you can't pay to get in, you shouldn't attend. Right. So what is that saying? You're recruiting a whole new group of people. You're recruiting a whole new. I mean, it starts from the little ones all the way up to the bigger ones. I mean, and it's not necessarily direct like it was. 150 years ago, but the reality is it's happening on some level. And mm -hmm. it's not just us sitting here having a conversation about it on Saturday morning. This is actually reality, and it's happening to people on a daily basis. And that's what we really we need. And that's the reason why we have to talk about it, because it just it's not okay. And if these pockets of situations are allowed to happen, you know, what does that really leave us? You know, what does that really leave us, Mikey, all day? <laughs> See what I'm saying? Exactly. Like we got I mean, because it, it does. It, I mean, because I will say, I will say, even though I believe that the children, the, the children are ignorant to racism and so on and so forth, right. but I will say that they, they're having. What you're saying is, is that they're pretty much showing them how <laughs> to be racist or how to be. They're showing them a different way. Or, or or their way or whatever. I mean, because and that's why I said prior to with the with the um the whipping situation in Savannah, that you know they they're teaching them privilege already because you're white and you feel like you can be on this black situation, you know, in this black right. And I'm exactly what you're saying with that. There's a privilege that's being taught within that moment right there Absolutely. of being on black. What is pretty much could be considered sacred ground, not sacred in the instance of. Uh, a cemetery, anything like that, but it is sacred in the fact that there's a lot of, to your point, Michael J. Black artifacts inside that building. That's you know from Savannah or maybe around surrounding area, and you can you can be disrespecting this land by holding whipping, the, whipping lessons. What you're learning how to do and, and we got to move on, y'all. But after this, but in the video, he was literally teaching her to Michael's point about the instructor. He was literally teaching her how to go around and come back with the whip. And I mean, if y'all were here to see me, y'all would see my whole body get into it. Because to throw a whip like that, you got to put your body into it. And then, you know, I will. I would want to get. I would want to get more. Um, I okay. want to get more information um, right. concerning that situation because it's like it's it's it's. Understand, it's coming from a black perspective, looking at the African American Museum with the white kids and the black and the white man, so on and so right. forth. You know, but I would want to know what were you learning, right? Why were you learning it? And right. why would you use that location? Right. Well, you know what, Michael? Let's stay with that. Let's stay with that black perspective. And look at let's look at the child beating video that I showed earlier this week. Mm -hmm. um, it has since been deleted. Um, somebody wasn't feeling it. But at any rate, what I said was pretty much there was a... Let me tell you all what was pretty much happening. What it was was there was a child beating video. And um, what I said was, 
you know, it's super disturbing to read the amount of folks in the comments of this video that support this child getting beat without even knowing the backstory. Folks, just love to see kids beat by their parents. What the hell is wrong with this? At least know why the mom is beating the child before you jump in and say she's right. And um, this in this video, from what me and Michael J talked about in pre-show a little bit earlier, there's a much longer video which gives more context as to why she was beating the child. But what we saw when we looked at the video was that the first, the ending of it was she was just thanking the boy and she was telling him, you know, do this. You got the, and y'all know that, like, you got to do what I say. Do. You know. Exactly. We, 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 can, we, can, we can go there. We know what goes on. Um, Pretty much that's what we saw. And it was very brutal. It was very intense. And it is what it is. So with that being the case, I, I posted what I posted about what was happening. And mm-hmm. we got people on both sides of the of the spectrum. I'm gonna let you start with this one, Michael J. Kids, corporal punishment, spanking versus beating. Where are we at with it? The bottom line is that anytime that you put your hands on a child, whether you're trying to spank them to show them a lesson or if you are out of control physically abusing them, is that what it all comes back to and a commonality that it all has is that you're impacting that child's development. We have, again, I'm no professional by training or a child psychologist, but what I do know and am in conversation with people who do work and research on this type of stuff, understand that at the point where you are physically assaulting a child, whether it's a spanking, whether it's whatever, you're teaching their body to respond in pain in ways that's not productive to their development. So when you're talking about the cognitive ability of a child and their and their ability to reason or do things like effectively communicate or understand how to have their own voice and be their um, own self-author, all of those things get delayed at the point where you are hitting your child. Whether you're spanking them with a belt, whether you're popping them upside their head or to the most extreme measure of you know physically abusing them to the point of death, which is just disgusting. We don't need to be using physical discipline in order to teach our child, teach our children, excuse me, right from wrong. Right. And so the it's question becomes, saying. Michael J., and I'm going to let you speak in a minute, Mikey, all day. But the mm-hmm. question becomes, Michael J., at that point, when you say we don't need, you know, the physical abuse, everybody is saying it's going to be a possession thing. This is my child. I had this child. And that's what elevates a lot of people to the thinking of get out of my face because you don't have anything to do with what's going to happen with my child because it's my child. What do you say to that? Fuck those people. And the reason why I sit up here and say that is simply because, yeah, yeah, that's your child. You're responsible for them. You are responsible for them. But that is still a human damn being, which means that you can't do any and everything that you feel like is necessary for that child's growth and development. You need to be considerate of how you are raising your child. And no, I'm not a parent, but doesn't mean that I haven't seen how people have raised children in good ways and that I've seen people raise children in terrible ways unproductive ways, unsupporting ways, unloving ways, through those type of understandings. You want to feel like this is my child so I can just yank them up. And <laughs> You see it all the time. Parents just snatching their kids up mm-hmm. and just disrespecting them out in public. Like, what type of shit is that? That's not love. That's not support. You upset for whatever reason, but you're going to take it out on your child. Oh, it's okay because this child is my property, my, which is an even deeper issue. Mikey, all day, I'm, you know, he come from a little gener- a few generations after <coughs> Mikey. Yeah. So I'm gonna let you mm. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I might not like about to like me. Uh, <laughs> well, because here's the thing. Now, are we talking about the video in specific, or uh, specifically, or we're talking about talking just about in bigger, general? The bigger, the bigger conversation, not just the bigger issue. The video, the video okay. Was a visual representation that has since been taken down, by the way, y'all. But right. It's a video representation, and we both, we all saw the video. So the video is a, vi- a video representation of what he was just speaking of, which is, for lack of a better way to put it, and Michael J., if I'm putting words in your mouth, stop me. But what he is considering basically an assault on the average child. Mm, assault. Okay. Right, because the implications are far-reaching. But yeah, go ahead. You can say that. Okay. So, um, Michael J., let me j- I'm going to start this off with asking you a question. So you yes. think, so you believe that if, you know, if you were a parent, that, Okay, Billy, go in the corner and and stand there for one hour and think about what you did. You think that's going to work? Let me tell you what will work. 
Okay. Because this was what was done to me. Um, and take it a step further, because standing in the corner is, you know, you know, if you if you, if you feel like it's not going to give you the results that you need. My father was very creative in the type of punishments that he gave to me and my brother. And I'm not about to sit up here and say that I've never been spanked or whooped because I have. But to alternate that, he would have us do like physical activities like uh, walk. I hated those because I was on the heavier side as a kid and it was hard. Let me tell you, I struggled to sit up there and hold a wall sit and imagine holding that for hours on end. I mean, it was probably helping me develop physically, but I hated it emotionally and mentally. Um, there are other alternatives, like, for instance, writing out the dictionary. I hated that because my video games got taken away and I couldn't access them. But what I did have access to was that goddamn dictionary and writing out of it, which I feel like in many ways helped support me um, as far as my understanding of vocabulary and reading comprehension. But there are ways in which you can discipline a child without physically putting your hands on them and having them register that in their understanding as abuse and them not developing the ways that they should be developing as a healthy child in an environment that's supportive. Okay. So, so you all get creative. What are you not saying? What are you asking him? Like, well, no, no, because, uh, because well, I'm going to ask you one more question, Michael J. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to give my, um, my comment. So, okay. this is, and, this, and understand this, this is just hearsay. This is nothing personal or anything like that. But yeah. this, do you like going to the gym? Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Um, you know so what? listen, like, yes. You know um, <laughs> I haven't been prioritizing it, but I do and I have enjoyed going to the gym over the years, yes. Okay, but it's not your favorite thing to do, right? <laughs> um, I, I've actually prioritized it at certain points in my life. It's not I don't hate it, no. Okay. So what so per perfect example. So if your father had you holding up something for a, uh -huh. a certain amount of time, it didn't make you hate going to the gym. It didn't make you, you know what I'm saying? It didn't make you, it didn't, it didn't change your development. Now, let me explain something about you. My, I am from the opposite side of the world. My mother believed in spankings. Mm -hmm. And she believed in spankings. Now, understand growing up younger, you know, after she spanked me, she explained to me why I was spanked, that she still loved me. Mm -hmm. You know, but I had to be, you know, but you had to be disciplined because you know that's wrong. You already right. knew it was wrong. So, you know, that that is that was my that was the way I learned spanking. You know what I'm saying? Because you mm -hmm. let the child know I still love you. But you do understand that this is a situation that you knew better. And you had to be reprimanded because of it. Now <laughs> assault now being assault and so on and so forth, I guess it will go back to being if if you left whip whip whips and so on and so forth. Understand I come from I'm a little older, so I come from a place where I, I literally just missed where the neighbor will beat you. Mm. Well, I know. Let me tell you this. I come from a situation where individuals, the neighbor would beat you, and bigger than this, the neighbor would beat you. Um, your aunt might beat you. Your cousin might beat you. Anybody might beat you. So with that being the case, I can definitely tell you that value in actually in corporal punishment, I don't know if that value exists. Would I be any better off if I hadn't been beaten? I don't know. But I definitely don't think that it added any value to who I am as a person. I definitely don't mm -hmm. What do you think, Michael J? I think people, a lot of people say that, oh, if my if my parents wouldn't have beaten me, I'd probably be in jail somewhere. I'd probably be dead somewhere. If my grandmother hadn't whooped me, I, you know, I wouldn't be the successful person I'm at, that I am today. And my thing to those people with those understandings, what about all of the people whose parents did beat them severely, whose parents did whoop them uncontrollably, whose parents did not have control theory as they were continuing to whoop them because they were trying to protect them and provide them with a better future. What about the, they did all of that and they still ended up in jail, ended up dead, and ended up unsuccessful. Right. So are whoopings 100% effective? No, they're not. In fact, they are hindrance because if we go back to what I was saying about the development of children and how they respond to those type of pain sensors, 
No one, and I'm not saying unless you are a parent who is a child psychologist, you studying this, you know better. So for right. those of us who don't have access to that type of community or practice to know what we are doing to our children, I think we would do well right. to understand exactly and, and, what and, and it is that we are think, affecting them with. And I also think, y'all, that they are building blocks to this. Because remember, we had that, that child being beat ferociously, as it was in the video, comes back What's the next step? Because remember, we got a child that was tied up, put in a tub, and burnt up. How about that That's... child, that autistic child that was also part of the conversation this week on High Topics? Michael Man. Day? I mean, I'm I, talking you know, all day. I got yeah, to um, together. It's so much Michael going on. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, like I said, I come from that background. But what about that child that was beat up? I well, mean, we, don't know, we, don't, up we don't know what he did. So wait a minute. You talking about the child that was burnt, the autistic right. child? What I'm saying, Michael, is Mikey all day, is it's it a progression. You know? Mikey Michael J, what what were you saying? What were you saying? What what I'm what I'm saying is when you when you're thinking about it, and that's all let's all keep this in context here, because despite not what the child did, what we do know is that he was autistic. So what that right. also oh, leads us to understand that he was special needs. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, this I is a bigger... Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I know fine. you did, Michael. I know you did. I got you. Yeah, this is a, this is a bigger a bigger issue with uh, parents and their ability to be able to support children on all levels, not just a regular child, but up to special needs and the resources that are going to be needed to effectively parent and support that child. I don't know what that woman was going through, what that mother was going through to tie her child up and then burn that what I was asking you, Mike, that, that what I was asking you, Mike, yeah, all day yeah, is, yeah. is that a progression? Do you start out with just the general spanking, and does it sometimes ultimately always get all the way up to being burnt up? Because that's literally how it's looking to me. Like there, it's almost like you know how they have. They say you have drug, gateway drugs, and you eventually get all the way up to you do the hard stuff. Like mm -hmm. how do we have gateway spanking? Is it gateway no. abuse? I, I don't believe so. I, I got whippings and it never got past whippings. You see what I'm saying? It, it, it never got past whippings. It never got like from a, from a belt to a fist. It never got there. You get what I'm saying? Mm. I know you're talking about, you know, he's like, okay, you go from a belt to a fist to a bat or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, it, it wasn't mm -hmm. for me. You know, um, I believe that she got overwhelmed and she lost her mind for a minute. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Okay. No, I'm saying it's not okay. But at the same time, she probably thought that she could handle it. She couldn't. And, and and whatever happened happened, and she couldn't take it. But my thing is this: don't why go and burn? Like why tie him up and then burn him? Like really? I'm I'm there with burn you. Him right. Up. That that she needs I'm, to I'm go. More there, I'm more there, Michael, Michael, Mikey, all day about whether. It's a progression, and if I don't believe it's a progression to lead to that at some point, if they just get if somebody got because I'm gonna be quite honest with you, because I'm gonna be quite honest with you, because of a child being autistic, you know, certain things will probably transpire that that a child would because I'm okay that child has special needs, mm -hmm. right. so you know, under the circumstances, I would not whip that child. I wouldn't have whipped that child with certain, you know, that has these issues um, because it, 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 it's not nothing that they could do about it. You get what I'm saying? If, if they're slower learning or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? It is a situation where, you know, OK, I, I have to have more patience than than a regular parent, I'll say. Right. If you're not a patient person and you have an autistic child, um you might, you may should have offered a child for well, adoption. Well, there's another conversation that goes with that. I mean, you know, when we were doing pre-show planning, we, there's a whole abortion topic that goes into that and whether you're ready for kids. But we're not Agreed. here today, Michael. Mike, Mike, okay. Mike, all day. But okay. yeah, I want to talk about <laughs> okay. this, this, this vigilante that was also in the same state, um, which was Florida. <sighs> and she witnessed a 62-year-old black man, and I'm reading straight from the, from the text, Mm -hmm. Black man in a hit and run, then chased him down with her car. She was able to eventually block his car, and at gunpoint told him to get out, or she was going to shoot. Of course, he didn't get out. 
Then she shot and killed him in the car. Now she has a bill of a hundred thousand dollars. I'm, you know what? Since you since you on fire right now, Michael, Mikey, all day. I'm gonna go ahead and give this right to you. What 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 do you think about it? a bill of a hundred thousand dollars? Mind you, that means she can go to. A bail bondsman, she can pay ten thousand dollars, and she can be out of jail. Well, you do understand that it happens. It's the same state that the Trayvon Martin got killed in. Mm-hmm. And you do understand that they still have that law in place where you have your debt, like because see, oh boy, like I'm, I'm sorry if I was, I'm sorry, if I lived in- I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, y'all. She wasn't in Florida. Fact check. She was actually in Georgia. Um. She was actually in Georgia. So I'm sorry about that. She was in Georgia. She was not Florida. Okay. Okay. So, okay, by her being in Georgia, then they don't have that same law. They don't. Well, so. Okay. So they don't have the same law. So that's. The question becomes so does it change the situation? Michael J., what do you think about that? Like, does that I change think... the situation because they don't have the same law of stand your ground? I, you know. It's, I don't I don't support stand your ground laws in general. So my you know position on that is you know stand your ground laws have historically benefited white people right. because honestly the people that use that stand your stand your ground law defense have been white and honestly they've been using it in cases that have been dealing with murdering black people. So fuck stand your ground law in general. But as it relates to her white ass sitting up here uh, trying to be, you know, whatever she was trying to be. I don't know if she thought she was a superwoman, a superhero, right. or whatever, but well, she had no, no business mm-hmm. trying to sit up there and interfere with the law and their pursuit of this black man. Who the, the fuck does she well, think You know she what? Is? The argument is, and I'm surprised, Michael J., I mean, Michael all day, you didn't jump in, because saying the fan doesn't even really, really apply here, because she wasn't standing her ground. She witnessed a hit and run. And then she chased him down, blocked him in, and then made him get out of the car. That's what I'm Michael saying. I was Kamala, like, if you're not a police officer, what, what the hell do you think that you're able to, why do you think that you're able to do that to me? Because, baby, okay. understand something. Because guess what? If I'm registered in Georgia, I'm going to shoot your ass back. Mm-hmm. Come on, somebody. Shoot and, and that's, because click because I'm gonna tell you right now, and I'm well, I am this. Person. Back after he was dead, but uh, well, no, but I'm gonna tell you this: if you, got your, if you got your gun pointed at me, I'm gonna point mine right back at you. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, it seems like the South, every black person need to get their own gun. Because guess what? I'd rather end up in jail on some on some bogus um situation than dead in the ground where I can't, you know, you know where I won't be alive. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, shooter right. got shot. before I got shot. Go ahead. Mm, right. I, I just, I really think that she was out of her rabbit ass mind. And I really think her exactly. whole situation speaks to the fucking privilege that people, that white people have. Like, there's no way in hell. Un, un, you know, she's, she's not a professional. You know what I mean? Like, I'm she's being this vigilante. I said she's not a professional. Okay. And she's sitting up here being this vigilante, a professional officer. Basically, she didn't go to school to she's train. Not she's a, not a oh, part of the team. Okay. She's I, I not on the team to be doing any of those things she's a vigilante random ass person and my thing is she she took it a step further she took it to the next level when she shot him it's like now wait a minute bitch you done got a thrill out of your life you done chased this man down cornered him that should have been first of all i i don't even really support vigilantes if i'm being completely honest you try to interfere on any level i don't let people do their jobs my thing is this, at the point where you put yourself in a situation to quote-unquote support their efforts, you should have left it alone at there. Why did you need... Who the fuck are you to tell him to get out the car and then shoot this man because he did get and out the car? he was 62 years old, y'all, and the bail was $100,000, which, again, means that she can go to any bail bondsman and she can spend $10,000 and she can get... Um, which she most likely has because she because her family most likely going to pull it together and or if she don't have it going to pull it together and do whatever they have to do and get some type of um, amazing lawyer. Go ahead. Right. You know they'll do a GoFundMe in a guy. Baby. Like for, in a for, minute. Well, they and they feel like do a GoFundMe, y'all. What? You said they did a GoFundMe. Is that what you said? I said they will do a GoFundMe. Oh they yeah, but. They probably don't have to. Level, they probably had the generational wealth that to do that. You know what I'm saying? 
right. And then, me, but they can't. okay, but I'm saying that there have been other situations where white people have used GoFundMe to get out of legal situations and they've garnered national attention because of it. So, whether they have the generational wealth or not, that does speak again to their white privilege. You know what? We can talk a little and bit. Then- Go ahead, yeah, because I mean, because even if she do go to jail, she'll go to jail for three or four years, which is an insulting as it went. Like, she's supposed to go to jail for, for um, 10 to 15. But she killed this man in cold blood, Michael Hoff, Michael, Michael Alder. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I was like, she needs to go to jail. Well, of course, she ain't gonna get life because she's a, she's a white woman. But <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? But she needs to go to jail. And right. then wait, but wait, and then you were confused. How are you confused that you killed somebody? Hmm. <laughs> yeah, she was confused. Right, you know oh hell no! Article, y'all, and let and let let's actually pull up some some truth. <laughs> you know what, uh, Michael, you're right on point with that. What she said in the article was, um, I hope that both of you all got a chance to read it. Yes, y'all write for research, Michael, Michael Holly, Michael all day. Uh, you know what, everybody, I keep saying Michael Holly, Michael Holly. Michael Holly's name is Michael Holly, but he's on Facebook as Michael, uh, Mikey All Day. So I'm just, that's what I'm back and forth about Mikey All Day versus Michael Holly. Um, hope you don't mind Michael Holly, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, basically, what it said in the article was. On the afternoon of May 7th, Payne allegedly witnessed a minor hit-and-run accident in Georgia. Payne supposedly hit a tractor trailer and drove off. That's the, that's the black guy that was 62. That allegedly prompted Payne, who was legally carrying her concealed gun, to drive after Herring for about a mile, catch up to him, block his car with hers, get out of her car, and engage in a struggle with him. What she said, she called 911, and could be hearing saying to Herring, get out of the car, get out of the car, get out of the fucking car, I'm going to shoot you. The 21-year-old reportedly shot the 62-year-old, but told the 911 operator he just shot himself with my gun. So she lied. Oh, my God. That's right. She did then, say that. Right. Then Payne said, the defense attorney said of Payne, argued that her actions were in self-defense and that she received, quote, unquote, and this is going back to what you were saying, Mikey, all day. She received mixed communication from the 911 operator. I don't know how that was mixed communication, but that was mixed communication from the 911. Now you, now here's the thing, and because um, you know, you know, my mother has history in that, so everything is recorded. Okay, there is no mixed communications in with 911 because if anything, they're, just, they're recording everything that you're saying. And what you're doing now now how the hell can this man be inside his car and you're standing outside the car mm-hmm. and most likely catch this part i'm sure the window was up that Ooh. i don't have that's not clear but okay so, okay so how can you get your how can you still how can you still how can you um take the take the gun and the window's up well, it wasn't Georgia, so I mean, I I don't want to get that deep because that's you know, but no, I, but you know what though? Let me tell you something that that actually would basically say that she's also a liar, and you're going to jail, bitch. Exactly. So so so, so it's not even really that's, so that's not even a deep thing. That's a that's just a common sense thing. Okay, because if the window was up, how you gonna steal? How you gonna steal a car? How you gonna steal a gun if the window's up? Oh. Hmm. Would you? Would you? Uh, so what? You you invisible man? You can put your put your, um you're a mutant now. You're an X Men. Right. right. He would have to have had the window down. He would have to have the window down. But if he the, would if have the, had to have been Mystique. He would have X-Men. to. Have. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy what these people will do and say, you know, to get out of because because I understand it was just a black man, right? Right. And, and yeah. this is why yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna follow this. And, and and I'm sure when you follow it, what you're gonna find, <laughs> you brought some good points. And 
if that has hopefully will serve the time. But unfortunately, based on the way that Georgia is set up and based on the fact that she is white and seemingly has intervened on behalf of officers who couldn't get this man, apparently, that she might not serve as harsh a sentence, which is so disrespectful and so aggravating and so frustrating because here we are again, back to the whole conversation of why Black Lives Matter. Who the hell is this fool? Like, you're t- 21, and you, okay, you have your permit, but what, I don't know how many episodes of whatever show you to watch, and you think that being a vigilante is it, and you know, you living your best life, and you, oh, I'm about to take down this black, and you know what I mean? Like, what the hell? Right. Who the hell? Right. Does she think she is? Then I asked so the Jay. How about that? I, you know what? We're I'm gonna have to find it. I'm gonna have to find it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna keep up with it. You'll follow on this. You'll follow on this. We're gonna stay up on it because it's interesting to figure out what's gonna happen. Because you know what ha- normally what happens is when people are arrested, we get this big hoopla about what happens at their arrest time. Oh, this happened, that happened, you know, they were charged mm-hmm. they got bail for that. And nobody mm-hmm. follows up to see what happens. Actually works out not so well for us as black people at the end of the day. But to actually have someone actually be committed to following this particular case, we invite you back to the injection. Just send me that email. Well, you know, we talk all the time, Michael. So mm-hmm. we don't need no email. But like, <laughs> you know, keep me abreast of what you're finding. Absolutely. We will definitely have a conversation about this at a later time. Yes. So updates. Um, going going forward, y'all, it was something else that endeared me this week. Um I do have one one quick topic that we're gonna jump into real, real quick. And that's um before we go into the one that endeared me. And that's the abortion in Texas. I just wanna send a shout out to Texas. Um there's some issues going on down there with abortion. We try to keep y'all abreast. Um, all the listeners in Texas right now, they are not allowing for Medicaid treatment for mothers who have had babies, but they pay for, so pretty much Texas, from what I'm able to read from the article, Texas pays for the, for the birth of the baby, but they don't pay for aftercare. So there are a lot of mothers out there in Texas who are not receiving the aftercare that they should be receiving. And um, shout out from the injection to you all. We stand on your side that um, at the very least as a, as a consensus between, you know, all of our participants <clears throat> that if you're going to have, um, if you're going to have, the, if you're going to be forced to have the baby because of legislation that's going on, then we think they should give you backup care. Um, real quickly, Michael J., I'll let you speak on it before we go to that last piece. I just, I mean, I, I think that if you're going to be doing that, yeah. I mean, if you are going to, you know, support people and their decisions uh, to have babies because you don't, because you're pro-life and everything like that, be pro-life all the way and, you know, support that person afterwards as well or vice versa, whatever the case may be. Don't give half support or, you know, stand on this policy or fight that piece of legislation and then not look at the back end of that as well. Right. So, because it doesn't make sense that they would be the opposite of that, but right. people people don't have their shit together, right. and people don't understand how to legislate to communities who would need it the most in the first place. Okay. <clears throat> so shout out to Texas, real quick, y'all. We're gonna go to um, it's above me. That's the guy that was um on social media this week, and one of the people, um, William. He's he's been a friend of mine. I've known him. We worked at a bar together as. A, bartenders and servers a long time ago and he said it best this guy who pretty much so let me explain to y'all a little bit about what happened um he went he had a, a, a patient call him and said that uh called him a fucking nigger for for whatever happened when he was in the in the, in the store and he told her when she got in he wasn't gonna give her a room and that it was above him um we're gonna start there, and Michael Holly, let me let you speak to that before. What do you think about that? Just that part of the situation, him not giving her a room when he said, "You know, it's above me." But after he called, after she called him a fucking nigga. Uh, I think it's um, I think it's great actually. <laughs> great. <Okay. laughs> well, because because. 
if you're not going to respect me, then I don't need I, I don't need to I don't need to do nothing for you. I don't need to accommodate you whatsoever. And that's just right. it. You know what I'm saying? It's like really right right okay right. so guess what because if if if, if a black person says something that um you know people use all the time redneck honky whatever i'm saying um honky is more you get what i'm saying um you're like let's be honest <laughs> just think that you know out of whatever she said I don't give a damn how frustrated she was when she was trying to get a service provided to her and her family during whatever time they were going through when she sat up there and called him the n-word and said all of that it she meant she meant it in the way in which she said it she yeah. meant exactly what she meant it was no you know oh you guys can use it why can't I use it because you're white and because context matters. And so if, if, if you want to get the service that you were trying to get, it you would have done well to not say no racist, stupid shit like that out of your mouth. I don't give a damn how many times you see me and my homies use that word. It's not for you. Mm. So don't try to access it in a way, and especially in a way in which you're trying to use it. You're using it in a way that is hateful, that is racist, and that you're trying to let me know how you really feel about me. And so at the point where that happened, I mean, he said it. It's above me now. And it could have been someone else who felt like it wasn't above them, and they could have took actions into their own hands and beat the shit out of her. So what do you, you think about mean? the people discrediting him, Michael J., when this a day later? And again, you know, this, is, this, this was part of the whole conversation when just a day later, he had the biggest rise and fall of Twitter history when trans folks said, wait a minute, you're calling her a hater, <coughs> but you're a hater too. Like, so what am I right. saying about that? What, 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 what do you stand with that? Um, <clears throat> the reality of the situation is we, we have so many different communities, right? And we um, happen to be a part of a community that has all these type of marginalized identities. And so the fact that he was rising to fame, so to speak, based on his interaction with that white woman and how quickly it was snatched based on things he said in regards to trans experience is related in a sense because this is a community that feels like they've been hurt and targeted by his words. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm also saying is that while I'm not trying to play oppression Olympics or you know anything like that, I do know that when people see me before they even find out that I might be gay or whatever the case may be, they know that I'm black first. Mm. Down. So the impact, it's, it's, it's a very different impact. But again, the outcome based on mm. racism and transphobia is basically damaging. It's basically the same because people end up dead. Uh, trans, black trans women are being murdered at an alarming rate. Black people are being murdered at an alarming rate who aren't trans or gay or whatever the case may be. But our race is uh, a salient in those instances. Because, I mean, I'm saying race is salient because if all the trans women that were being killed were, were of different races, if they were like white trans women, for mm -hmm. example, then I wouldn't be able to use that. But they are black trans women. So that does mean that race is more salient for people in their interaction with us. It matters. Right. Yes, right. the additional identities matter, too, because that's who you are and you can't separate those identities because that's who you are at the same time. But again, when people look at you. Right. Well, I think for me, what, it, what, it, what he said was, to be quite frank with you, um, to be quite frank with y'all, what he said, quote unquote, was, they're mad I said what I said. People are so sensitive. I'm gay and I know people will not agree with me being gay. I just don't and will never get trans, period. And for me, and this is big, you know, Michael J. and, and, and Mikey all day. Um, because it really highlights for me 
that the trans fight and the gay fight are not always intersecting. And not all gay men or women are in with the trans fight. And it's not because I think a lot of people stand on difference, but it's not about difference. It's just about their two different situations. Trans people definitely feel they were born in the wrong body. Gay people feel very, very comfortable in the fact they were born in the right body. They just, you know, like people of the same, of the same sex. Trans people could be gay, straight, bi, whatever. The point is, what when you whatever they were born as, that's not necessarily what they identify as, and they want they feel comfortable being. And it's just two different fights. Um, and I think when we talk about that, and we talk about like his conversation, we really understand that not, you know, and, and speak, you know, Michael J. Let me ask you that since you just brought it up. What do you think about him being a gay man and being not in line with trans? My, this is my thing. He doesn't have to understand. Like he said, you quoted, he doesn't understand it. And, you know, therefore he doesn't support it. My thing is just because you have a lack of understanding doesn't give you the license or permission to be transphobic or trans antagonistic, meaning that doesn't give you the right to hate trans people just because you don't understand it. Yes, right. you are a, a gay black man and that a black gay man or whatever the case may be, which is fine. But why even take it a step further? And I don't remember verbatim, but he definitely mentioned something about understanding J Donald Trump's stance. He definitely talks about legislation, yeah. which took yeah. it to a whole nother level. Right. At that point, like you put you took it national, bitch. Like that's exactly <laughs> what you did. You aligned yourself with the thinking of the orange fucking Cheeto. And so therefore people took it in a very oh, different shit. way. You can't sit up here and say something and not expect the ramifications to happen. Yes, they snatched his wig. They did. But well, you need to think about the things you say, <laughs> even because you might be occupying, you might be a black gay man, okay? You, mm -hmm. you just can't just disparage people's experiences like that and attack them in that type of way. Because that was an attack, whether he right. wants to believe it or not, it was. Period. Right. And the, I think what he... I mean, he had a lot of stuff planned, y'all. He had a lot of stuff planned. He was planning on doing T-shirts. He was planning on taking this to the next level. I'm above this. And, and I think that's the last piece of this before we go into the next segment before we got to go because um, time is running down. But, you know, the Internet shut him down. And that's something to talk about. Like, his rise and fall in George, um, my good friend, um, William George Twyman, um, shout out to him for, you know, Gay Pride Month. He recently got married probably about a few, um, about a year ago to his, the love of his life. Um, and, and kudos to him. Congratulations, William George Twyman. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> we and him worked together for a few, for a few months and we actually connected on a whole nother level. But anyway, um, the reality is, the internet will shut you down as quick as it will build you up. He didn't even have 24 hours of fame before he was brought down. So be careful because the reality is you reap what you sow. Right. <laughs> and this dude ended up reaping it very, very badly on the back end because he had his, his moment in time to be an internet celebrity and he got shut down before it could even get started. Um, before we go, I want to talk a little bit about a video that appeared this week, Hot Topics, the girls doing double dutch. Did you get a chance to see it, Michael J? Yes, of course. Well, I actually, well, I know you got a chance to see it because I actually pulled it from your page. When you saw it, what inspired you and what did you think? I really was inspired by the fact that they held double dutch competitions. I, one thing, it was one thing growing up. No. And so when I saw it and I shared it, I was like, wait a minute. These were actually in competition. This was competition based because growing up, the only type of double dutching that I saw was around the neighborhood. It was in the hood. Oh, no, like, you. you know, people were double dutch. I mean, it was a thing. And so, I mean, it makes sense now that what I saw growing up stemmed from an even larger uh, type of thing as far as them having competition. Those women were skilled. Those they young girls were me. skilled. They, they, they energized my morning when I saw it come off your page. 
Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, kudos to them. Um, Tasha Marie, Patrice Jones. Um, some of the ladies definitely resonated with it. Um, said that, you know, they want, I, and, and when y'all are ready to do the Atlanta versus DC competition, I'd already let them know I'm volunteering my services on the back. <laughs> because, you know, I, I, I was really, really, really endeared by the moment. Um, I think Double Dutch speaks to a lot that our kids need right now as far as teaming, getting together, performing, um, you know, making routines, being able to execute intricate plans. So many skills come off, you know, the athleticism that's involved, which speaks to us not being inside the house on iPads. Like, um, I'm into it. And um, if y'all wanted to do some Double Dutch stuff, I'll be more than willing to sponsor. Look, y'all, thank you so much. Mike <laughs> all day. Michael J, thank you all for making this show. I, I feel what is going to become, well, what I feel is number 11 and, and definitely one of the best shows that we've had thus far. Um, as always, you can contact us on the injection podcast at gmail.com. You can always visit us on Facebook at the injection. Thank you all so much for being a part. And you all have a great week.